2: compatibility. Whether it's your first time
3: betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget.
2: Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought.
1: United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9
2: on CNN. Let's go! This is the Lombardi Live with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on vSEN.
5: Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM here on v the Sports Betting Network. Hope you're having a nice week as we enter week eight NFL. Not quite halfway there. I get depressed. I get depressed, bro. When we start getting like past that halfway point. because oh, we're we getting just, to Thanksgiving. Know, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I just I can't yeah. get enough of it. Anyway, two tonight with the Bucks right now as you and I sit here.
1: You know, it's a, I mean, it's this is a hard one. These are the hard handicaps because, you know, you, you've got so many guys injured. You've got so many situations that you really can't control. Both teams are not playing well. Baltimore's playing better than, than Tampa. Both quarterbacks are not playing. I mean, Lamar threw it 16 times last week. I know they won, but he threw it 16 times. I mean, didn't really make an explosive play. His best receiver may not play, his other receiver, Bateman, still not there. You know, the offensive line's a mess. Uh, I mean, this is – and, you know, the the thing is, when you look at it, both teams, another thing that you always want to handicap is, like, who's going to give the ball away, right? You know, both teams are 0.7 in terms of uh, – well, Tampa, Baltimore's 0.7 positive. Baltimore, Tampa's 0.4. So they're very close in terms of – because Brady doesn't turn it over.
5: No. Nope. It, it we'll we'll get more into that one. I just just two right now, forty six on the total, which has jumped up from forty five. Mike Samich is going to join us. He's got a bunch of plays and he's got a pro, pro tip coming up. Also coming up here in the last hour on the Lombardi line, Mike Palm's going to sit in. Who's still uh, hot as hell? I mean, he's still on fire. I know it's good for him. He's been he's he's had a bit of a legendary run here. So looking forward to talking to Mike Palm. You know, as you and I were signing off on Monday, the decision was made to bench Matt. Ryan there in Indianapolis, and they're going to go Ellinger. A couple things. One, it, the opener was different all over the board here as far as Washington and Indy. It's sitting three pretty much everywhere. DraftKings actually just went to two and a half with Indy laying it. There was initial money as soon as the Ellinger announcement was made on Washington, but then it was bought back up to three. So it dipped down to two with Indy laying, and it's bought, bought back up to three. Let's talk about the decision, though, Michael. I'm going to let you run with this to go with Ellinger at quarterback with the Colts.
1: I mean if you were paying attention this summer this this year to the games you had to realize that that Matt Ryan wasn't playing well. You know now they weren't doing all the things that we assumed they were going to do. We assumed they were going to be better in the offensive line. Wrong assumption. We assumed that they would run the ball. Kind of a wrong assumption. I don't know why why they have it but they can't. They average 3.5 a carry. We assumed they would move Ryan around a little bit. We assumed it was going to be a little bit of the Shanahan offense because we know he can't really move. None of those assumptions proved to be true. And then Ryan has become this turnover machine. It's one thing to not have a great arm. It's another thing to give touchdowns to the other team and lose games. And so for anybody to think that that this mandate came from Jim Irsay down to Chris Ballard and Frank Wright, that that they weren't attending any of the games. I mean, this guy has destroyed them in terms of, you know, where that last week he throws the ball over in the flat. It's a pick six. That, that game, they have a chance to win it, even though they don't score in the first half. The reason they don't score in the first half is he throws a horrendous interception. I mean, so, look, the reality here is they traded for him. They took a chance. I support the chance. But they're also willing to cut their losses. They have this sunk cost phenomenon. They're not doing that. And if they continue to play him, not only would he hurt them from winning, he would also hurt their cap next year because he would start accumulating incentives that would take money out of their ability to sign players next year.
5: What's interesting about Indy? If I told you before the season started, seven weeks in, they'd be thirtieth in the NFL in rushing, you'd say I was crazy. Michael, they're rushing for it's eighty-one insane. yards a game. There's only two teams, the Rams and the Bucks, that are worse than them. That's insane. I, I mean,
1: it's insane. And you know, and 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 how about this, Patrick? In nine nine in seven games this year, the ball has been on the ground nineteen times. They fumbled nineteen times. I mean, so like they can't they can't hold on. And then he's thrown nine interceptions. Think about that. He's thrown nine interceptions. The ball has been on the ground nineteen times. Now they recovered them, but but still, I mean, still, it's still a problem. And they and they and they for whatever reason they went from being this tough physical team to where they have no toughness at all.
5: They're three three and one. They're in a division that's winnable. That's pretty obvious. Uh, here comes Ellinger. So what to expect? We saw him start a million games at Texas. We know what he's about. He's a moxie guy. He's a big kid that can run, very athletic. He's got the it factor, not much of an arm. My guess is Reich's going to kind of get creative, get him outside the pocket, and they're going to try to establish. It's going to look a lot different than with Matt Ryan is what I'm trying to say.
1: Well, he's athletic, and he can move. I mean, this summer he had six rushes for 71 yards. Now, I know he's playing against a different level of competition, but at least it tells you he can move. He only threw five incomplete passes out of 29 attempts this summer. So he's accurate. It's a short passing game. It's going to be yards after the catch. But, you know, the number didn't move. As I said to you in the break, why would it move? I mean, the way Ryan was playing, he's the 32nd quarterback in the league. So is what's Ellinger, 32nd? So how, Why is the line going to move? You know, it's like when, when P.J. Walker came in to replace Baker, it could only get better. It can't get worse. Right? So, I mean, we yeah. have such this, you know, it's, I know fans get caught up in the names, but – when names aren't playing good, they're just – they're not playing good, you know? So it's the same thing. I mean, Martin, uh, Brett Rippon took over for Russell. The line didn't move. Rippon didn't play as well as Russell, but they still had the same problems. I mean, had Russell played, they might have won the game. The point here is is this gives them a chance to at least maybe move away from some of their areas of weakness, which is in that offensive line, and maybe get them back on, hey, we better run the ball.
5: Do you have an answer for what's happened with Jonathan Taylor? Not only did he lead the league in rushing last year, I think he led the league by like five hundred yards in rushing last year. Uh this year, yeah, I mean, he's I, have a, I have a from definite a answer a half for average. What's, the, what's their the
1: offensive answer? line's terrible? Their offensive line is terrible, and they can't knock anybody off the ball. I mean, it's not that complicated. And and he has a hard time getting going. He's averaging he's still averaging four point two yards per carry. Problem is he only has ninety one carries. I mean, think about this. Uh, I mean, Jalen Hurts has got 77 carries, and he's won less game. I mean, Hurts is going to end up carrying the ball more for Philly. So my point here is is that it's just, to me, they their lack of innate toughness. People want Green Bay to run the ball more. I agree, Green Bay, but Green Bay, the way he's coached this team, the way they practiced this summer, there's no toughness. There's no toughness in their team. You just can't become a running team because you want to. Andy Reid gets a perception that he's a West Coast. He's a tough guy. They practice hard. They practice. A lot of these teams don't practice. It's the same thing in basketball. You think think that the teams that are bad are going to practice? Of course not. It's a walkthrough. How do you get better if it's a walkthrough? You don't.
5: My man had 332 attempts last year on the ground, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, That is, and he was awesome, a a five-and-a-half average down to 4-2. But like you said, though,
1: Patrick, as bad as it's been, they're actually still in it. I mean, because Tennessee's not very good. But what Tennessee does that makes them so good is they know who they are. They don't try to deviate. Now, what Tennessee has done more this year than I think any year is they've tried to get Henry a little bit more involved in the passing game. Screens and first-down throws. They know this offensive line is not very good. You know they're going to have to hit a big run here or there, and their defense plays fast and they tackle well, and they play smart. I mean Tennessee's not a good team either. I mean it would not surprise me if Houston beat them this year, this week. It would not surprise me at all. Tannehill's not healthy. They got a bunch of injuries. It wouldn't surprise me. Houston plays hard nope. for 50 minutes. They play hard. They just they wear down. They can stop the run early in a game. And if they get ahead of Tennessee and Tennessee has to use that bad offensive line to protect, oh, my.
5: Before we get back into the game, and Mike Samich is going to join us next, quickly on the quarterback situation there with the Patriots. Belichick was awesome at his presser. However, being reported, it looks like Mac Jones is going to get the start at the Jets. I don't think they've lost to the Jets in 12 straight. Uh, over yeah. Zappy, Are you hearing the same with Mac Jones on Sunday? I haven't heard anything. I mean, but look, I just know the guy, right? I mean, he's not going to tolerate, like it,
1: this is not a quarterback controversy. Mac Jones is giving the ball to the other team. The reason you're not going to play, it's accountability problem. It's not a, co- a quarterback controversy. If I said this on the air Monday before we went to break, I said, they'll have a hard time with Chicago. They won't get It'll take them at least three quarters to get control of the game. They never did get control of the game. And Mac turns it over, and we said on the show on Monday, if Mac turns it over, he's going to come out of the game. That's what happened. You, you Mac Jones's skill set is simply this: I'm smart and I'm accurate. When you when he becomes dumb and throwing the ball away, he he's not going to play. That's part of the accountability that goes into the piece of New England. It's not a controversy. Everybody in the room knows if you don't do your job, you're not going to play. There's no special. There's no special room. There's no vib membership up there. You're, it's an accountability membership, so that's what's going to happen now. Everybody's attention's focused. The reason they love Bailey Zappi is he didn't turn the ball over. I mean, Bailey Zappi didn't do anything that just execute. The, he just executes the offense. Didn't make an excuse. He executes it. I I think this this you know the 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 Patriots are not built to play against a six skill offense. They're just not. They're slow. They can't tackle in space, and they'll make a quarterback who runs the ball look better. They've always done that. Lamar went up there two weeks ago. Or I think it was week three of the season, and, and they, they scored 30-some points up there. They turned it over. They scored 30 points. That's what happens. Same thing.
5: Give Eberflus credit. He ain't working with a ton. His team's playing. Nope. I, mean, there's, you know, I, I, I again, agree with you, you there. It, They're playing he wasn't hard. was a great defensive coordinator, but... He could be a good head coach. We'll see. I like, what he, I, hard, right? I, I
1: like what he's doing, the fact that he's overseeing the game. He's not trying to run the defense. He's overseeing the game. And the two guys that look the best this year are are Dayball and him, and they're both doing what head coaches should do.
5: Totally agree. Chicago's at Dallas. Dallas laying 9.5. The Patriots with Mac under center are laying 2.5 at the Jets. When we come back, Mike Somich, he's got four plays and a pro tip. That's next.
0: He scored. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app.
2: Billie Eilish
0: and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call.
5: listening to The Lombardi
1: Line
2: on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
5: Okay, of course, it's BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. You can visit BetMGM.com right now or download the app. They've made some improvements on the app you're going to want to check out. If you're in Vegas, stop by any MGM property, bring your state-issued ID, you're ready to go. It's 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Got to be 21 years or older. Again, BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. The king of the Borgata, Michael Lombardi. The king of Microsoft Excel. I, I still can't get over how you know how to do that so well. Anyway, we welcome you back. We've got uh, Week 8 kicking off tonight. Two is the number. I don't know how Tampa's laying it to anybody. We've seen them lay doubles the last two weeks and get beat straight up. We bring in professional handicapper Mike Somich to discuss Thursday night and more. Welcome, Mike, hope you're doing well. You're gonna target, we've got a pro tip from Mike coming up as well. You're gonna target a team total tonight to start. Let's go there.
2: This game is all about cluster injuries, specifically in the secondary for both teams. Uh, if you, you look what's happened to this Tampa Bay defense, it's been a tough, tough couple weeks for them, lost their top two cornerbacks, lost their top safety. And then last week we see Antoine Winfield who's filling in at safe to get a concussion. He's generally their slot cornerback and it, it just created a terrible situation in the secondary for them a tough spot for them to come back in four days without three of their essentially top four cornerbacks and one safety missing. You've got uh, Baltimore, who's a tough offense to prepare for if you don't see them very often. And that's exactly what you get here with this Bucks team. Look, Baltimore has the same issues in the secondary it's the main reason why I'm playing a team total here versus looking specifically at the Ravens plus two or the Ravens money line. I like the Ravens money line but give me the over 23 for Baltimore team total. I think they're gonna have some success throwing the ball. I actually think you can see a couple downfield shots. It was interesting. Uh, PJ Walker last week had a had uh, 14% of his plays were on passes 20 plus yards down the field. Number one in the NFL is Josh Allen. 7% of those plays, 20-plus yards down the field. So, P.J. Walker really tried to stretch this defense. I expect Lamar Jackson to do the same thing.
1: You you know, and and P.J. would have had even a better number, Mike, if, if the first play of the game, if the kid catches it. I mean, so they had a chance to make plays down the field, partly, too, because the protection held up. I mean, we didn't hear Shaq Barrett's name. You know, we, we didn't see hear any of the 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 pressure coming in there, and he had time to throw and the throw he makes to 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 Tremble for the seven cut that the touchdown that puts the game away was good. I, I'm with you. I think this there's a lot of problems that compound themselves with Tampa Bay, who usually play the six skill position offense well, like they did Philly twice last year. But this is a different game, and if you're not used to the speed of the game, and none of these young players that I think they'll put on the field tonight because of the injuries will be, I do think Baltimore will move the ball in their style, which is really more th- run it than throw it.
2: Yeah, it should be a team? very good setup for this Baltimore what, what offense. Was your team? And what, what was your what... Sorry, go ahead,
5: Mike. Please, I, I apologize.
2: Oh no problem. Yeah, I, I was seeing 23 as the team's total. I, I just think it's a great setup here. I, I expect that Baltimore is going to be able to move the ball on the ground and through the air. And I think you're going to see some play-action passes that that are going to result in some big plays for the Ravens.
5: Okay, great. I'm looking at a shop. You can get 21 and a half, as low as 21 and a half on Baltimore. So if you like that team total, jump on it now. Samich is all over the Ravens. Okay. Uh, as far as the side, again, you're going to lay off, right? It's two right now with the Bucs. We talked about. I don't know if they should be laying anything to anybody right now.
2: If it somehow gets to plus three, I got to play the Ravens. I think the Ravens are a good first teaser leg. If that's your jam, I'm not a big teaser guy, but I do think this is a good spot where if you want to add the six, taking Baltimore plus eight is a good first leg.
1: Mike, have you ever heard of a team that's that's uh, uh, supposed to be a really good team that was a double-digit dog that lost two weeks in a row outright?
2: I think it's happened four times in the last uh, 15 years. The last one was San Francisco, I believe it was. Ironically, it was the Panthers that knocked them off the second weekend in a row. So it, it has happened before, but it's it's incredibly rare. And I, you got to imagine this is one of the worst teams to do that. That San Francisco team that year, I believe, was was 14-2 and two or 13-3 or and three, um, and just kind of ran into a bad stretch right there at the end of the season when they didn't really need to win.
5: Yeah, it doesn't happen often. Look, straight up, a team that's laying 13 just losing straight up doesn't happen very often. So we saw that last week, Michael, with Tampa Bay at Carolina the previous week, uh, laying doubles in Pittsburgh. This next one up here, San Francisco, you're going to lay the point with the Niners at the Rams. The Rams are a
2: bit of a mirage right now. I was surprised that that, that it was such a short favorite. I thought this should be three, maybe even three and a half toward the Niners. This is just a situation where the Niners are getting healthy again. I mean, we all remember that game two weeks ago in Atlanta where they were decimated on the defensive side of the ball. Eight of their 11 starters were out that game. Specifically, two of their top front four with Armstead and with Bosa both missed that game. And how do you beat the Rams this year? If you can rush with four then you and get able to get to Stafford, they have a ton of trouble on the offensive side of the football. Uh the three games where they faced teams that could rush with four down linemen, Buffalo, Dallas and this San Francisco team. The Rams scored 10 points max in those games, 10, 10 and 9. So they had struggle trouble moving the football. And San Francisco's getting healthy again. Uh now nine of their 11 starters are going to be on the field on the defensive side of the football. And the Rams offensive line has not gotten any healthier in this bye week, and that's really the big key to me. You still have a weak offensive line against a very good front four that can rush the passer, and you're going to see a lot more McCaffrey. He only played about 25% of the snaps for San Francisco last week. You're going to see him play close to 75%, 80% of the snaps. They have a chance to be a really dynamic offense with McCaffrey, and Shanahan's going to have an extra week to be able to get him into the offense versus what we saw last week.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think they can be really good offensively, and I I think at the end of the day, they they can't. I was so disappointed in their defense. I mean, like I wasn't expecting that. I know they've been hurt, but they've got to rally. And this Ram team, to me, I'm not sure Stafford's arm. I know they say he's fine, but I think they look beat up to me, and there's no juice to their offense. There doesn't seem to be, like you mentioned, when you rush four, he's going to get hit, and he's going to get hit a lot.
2: You get Van Jefferson back for the Rams off the bye week, which is definitely going to be a plus. But like you like you said, that offensive line, they're not very good. And so if you're able to get to them, it's a problem. Additionally, if you look at the trends in this, San Francisco, Shanahan with Garoppolo starting, 7-1 and ATS, 7-1 and straight up. They absolutely own this Rams team. Uh, Shanahan and McVay know each other very well. And the defensive style that Shanahan likes to play is just not a great defensive style for the Rams offense to face. And so you got to give the edge to San Francisco from that perspective as well. I think everything just kind of lines up here for San Francisco, who really needs this game, to play a big one and be able to get the win on the road.
5: And let's be clear, two weeks ago, the Rams were begging Carolina to win that football game. I mean the Rams are again, the Rams yeah. and Bucks to me are two teams that are in a bad way that people are just going to continue to bet. Next one up, Vegas, New Orleans. You like the over. You're going to go over the
2: total here with Vegas and New Orleans, Mike. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a combination of a couple factors. First off, last week, one of the pro tips we talked about was handicapping referees. We've got Scott Novak who's going to referee this game. He loves calling defensive holding defensive pass interference, and he is the lowest rate offensive holding play or penalty caller in the NFL. When you combine those two, it lends you to lean toward the over. And these two teams have become over teams in themselves. The last four games for the Raiders, they've gone over the total. The last four games for the Saints, they've gone over the total. Uh, so you're seeing consistent scoring from both of these offense, offenses who have suspect defenses on the other side of the football, two teams that are passing the ball very well. And you get a referee that loves to call defensive holding, defensive pass interference against two teams that get called. for. They're both in the top five in the NFL in both those penalty calls as well. So Everything sets up for both of these teams to have success through the air. On top of that, you see the Saints getting healthy on the offensive side of the ball. Thomas and Landry both questionable this week. You we may actually get one of the two of them to play. Uh, without the two of them, they've been able to put up points. You've got Kamara who's healthy. Alave's playing well. Uh, you've got another week of Dalton who's passed the ball pretty well last week outside of those two tough picks in the last couple minutes of the first half. I think these two teams both can put up points against each other, and I love the setup that we have here from a referee perspective as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, When you both the defenses, too, haven't played well. I mean, let, let's face it, The New Orleans, probably the most disappointing thing is their lack of defense, and I think the Raiders over the last five weeks have played pretty well. They're getting going. They still, last week they had five drives of over 75 yards. I mean, they're able to convert their downs, stay on the field, and they finally have figured out how to get the ball in the red zone. I'm with you. This is, to me, this is a field goal game, and it's going to come down to who has the ball last because I think both teams
5: will move it. We'll get this one in quickly. You do like the Giants. They continue to be dogs, even though they continue to win, catching three at Seattle.
2: Oh, man, this is smoke and mirrors. you got to give credit to Brian Dayball, Wink Martindale, and that coaching staff. They are putting their players in the best possible position. Daniel Jones had a huge fumbling issue. Hasn't fumbled the football yet this year. If you look at the personnel they're running, they're running 32 personnel and motioning Jones out of the slot into the backfield so that he doesn't have to read any of these defenses. It's all done for him based on the pre-snap movement. I realized if you go just roster down the roster, this is a bottom five roster on the Giants team, but they're putting their players in the best possible position to win, and these players are buying in. The travel spot's not great. London played at home, Jacksonville now out to Seattle, so that's my big concern, but they shouldn't be catching a field goal against a Seattle team, which, yeah, Gino's been playing wonderfully. We had him last week, but Metcalf is out. I think this is a good spot for the Giants to take the three.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you ever want to? you ever want to doubt the Giants? And one thing we know, with this trade, their their culture's intact. Because, you know, they've sent a message to that locker room. You don't want to be here, you don't want to buy in, you're gone.
5: Yep, and Tony got shipped to the Chiefs today, the former first-rounder there with the Giants. A pro tip for today from Samich. Make sure you get out in front of the weather. Start checking the weather a week early to get ahead of the total moves. Tremendous as always, Mike Samich, Thank you, Mike. appreciate you. I got, I yeah, thank you. I got felika writing in. He wants to know, did Samich single Levine in the last at Aqueduct yesterday in the pick six? There was a hundred and fifty thousand dollar carryover. So that's, that horse carryover today, <laughs> that's horse speak between Felica. That's horse speak between and Samich here on the Lombardi line. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you. Thank Have you, a good Mike. One, guys. Next up, you wait for it every week. It's Palm. Mike Palm joins us here. With Palm's pressing three.
2: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VCN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
5: Okay, Vsin pros, get involved right now. It's ninety-nine bucks through the Super Bowl. So when you do sign up, you get the betting guides that includes NBA, NHL, College Pro, everything we offer. Of course, you get the pro tools. The pro tools consist of a lot, including the betting splits, pro picks, pro tips. It's all there. Michael Lombardi exclusive articles. Go to vCN.com slash subscribe, become a pro. That's vCyn.com slash subscribe. What are you waiting for? Uh, we wait for it every week. Michael Lombardi's there. I'm Patrick Maher here. Mike Palm at Circa, of course. He's not just a
4: Circa's bon vivant; he is Vincent's bon vivant, and he joins us. Oh, Mike, how are you? <laughs> oh, good, good morning. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning, Michael. Looks like Michael was out raking the leaves right before uh, yeah. the GM shuffle yeah, Lombardi it, line it, got underway today.
1: It, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a good day here. It's a nice fall day. We got the Halloween parade right in front of our office coming down Asbury Avenue. Mm. It's uh, it's awesome time of the year to be here. Mike, you're hot. You you you're on fire. I I loved it. I mean, you went Incredible. against the grain. Titans last week was a great call. I, I was with you on that one. I thought that was a great call. And then you had another winner too as a pro bet, right?
4: Yeah, I had I had the Chiefs. You know, That's I thought I thought there was too much distraction with the 49ers. Getting first of all to get McCaffrey and then trying to put him into a game plan. I mean, that was their whole focus. I'll take Mahomes off a loss playing on grass. You know, laying less than it, less than a touchdown. I went back and looked, Michael. I started out week one. I didn't use any college games in week one in that contest because I hate overreacting to the week one, which was week two of college. Uh, I went two and three with all pro plays since then. um, Twelve zero and one in the last thirteen pro plays in this contest. (laughs) One push on the Baltimore uh, Buffalo game. That's it. Yeah, love it. I mean, I think to me, it's it's, that's remarkable. Yeah,
1: That's what makes the contest, Maybe. I mean, the fact that you're using college and pro, to get five right every week and just pro is hard. That's really hard. It's just like we talked about, I got the text from you and I wrote about it. Survivor, what, there's 125 left in the contest after seven weeks out of 6,111? I mean... I mean, that's, I think it's one of the hardest contests to do. I I can't pick winners. I mean, we see it every week when they have the shows on CBS or NBC and they say, who's going to win? And they all, they don't even pick, they don't even pick the games right. Forget about the line.
4: Well, Michael, it's, it's interesting. 2% left, 125. One man has six entries. All six of his entries still left. And our friend, uh, Gil Alexander, had him on a numbers game yesterday, a man by the name of Bob DeLuca. He's gone all in. With his six plays every week, he's picked one team, and he's won all the way along the line. The, wow. the hairy one, the only really hairy one for him, is he had the the Chargers against the Broncos on that Monday night game that went to overtime, and then you know could have been a tie and all that. But he got through with the Broncos. Had the Raiders last week, uh, so now it'll be interesting to see if he continues this theory now that they're down to 125, or will he start splitting up the six as we go forward?
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, he's you know, and who does he have left? Does he have good teams left, Mike?
4: He used he, he used Philadelphia. He used the yeah. Bears. I mean, he got he got the Bears against the Texans with the Roquan Smith interception, so he got the Bears out of the way. Um he used the Patriots against um he used the Patriots I think already. Um, against the Lions? Yeah, against the Lions. The Bears, after they won that game, the next week when they came back, he went. Or he had Green Bay against the Bears. I think he's gone against the Bears a couple times successfully. I think he's in good shape. I, he's got the Bills left, I know. He's got the Chiefs left. Um, so we'll see. And how long does the contest even go with 125? Does it make it to Christmas? You know, you got to get through those Thanksgiving uh, three. And of the 125, 24 of them, I believe, or 21 of them, don't have Buffalo for Thanksgiving. So that could get pretty hairy. If they can make and it, you can to see Thanksgiving.
5: that yeah. mention, I mean, you mentioned I mean, that
1: here's interview. The thing. You can see that. I mean, how many do you think? How many do you think make it to Thanksgiving? I'm sorry for interrupting, Patrick.
4: No, go ahead, please. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you know you got to get through an, through another uh, what four weeks here, uh, three weeks yeah. here, and uh, it's tough. I mean, you don't want to use the Bills this week against the Packers, and who who says Rodgers is going to lose? Do you give up the Eagles now against the Steelers? I think sneaky, even though the Bears won on Monday night, I think Dallas will be a sneaky play this week against the Bears. The Bears on the short week really only going to have two days of practice going to Dallas here, although Dak wasn't impressive. uh, I think people will use Dallas this week in Survivor.
5: Mm -hmm. Who do you got into? Who who would you play this week in Survivor, Michael, looking at the board? You agree with Dallas? Uh,
1: You know, I think Dallas is a good play. I, I think to me, there's really no lock on the board like there is isn't every week. Yeah. I would probably play Philadelphia, but I, you know, to me, the object is to survive, right? I, I never bought into this. You got to wait until the, uh, you know, I think you get, I think what's proven out when you take risk early, you're not around late. So I probably, if I had a pick, I'd take Philly coming off the bye against a Pittsburgh team that played Monday night. That's not going to get used to the team speed of the game. And Philly's defense has really been the untold story of their team this year. All the offense gets credit, but that defense has played really well.
5: Update from Mike Palm, Berlin and Braga at the break, (laughs) nil-nil. So your bet looks good. Another update from Palm, he mentioned the interview with Gil Alexander, that interview with the Survivor contestant up at vcin.com. Let's discuss the number tonight, then we've got Palm's pressing three coming up in about six minutes. So I think Circa did this correctly. Did you guys open a pick 'em tonight with Baltimore and Tampa Bay and then just let the b- betters decide? Because it looked like you opened a pick 'em and then immediately the visitors got hit up to two. And then we flipped across the fence over to now Tampa laying two here,
4: Mike. Yeah, we opened pick. Other shops opened uh, with Tampa Bay favored. Um, but we moved it then to one and a half in favor of Baltimore. And then now it's come back to two. Uh, we actually got to two on, on Baltimore uh, on Tuesday. Now it's come back two the other way, so it's a four-point swing. Although you know the zero is an irrelevant number uh, because it's it, unlikely to land on zero. So I, I think basically, and I talked to Chris Bennett this morning, who is our uh, our director of trading and and our number one NFL guy, and he said, "I said, how much of it is Ravens injuries? How much of it is um, people just can't believe that Tampa Bay can lose three in a row, especially." getting embarrassed as uh, double-digit favorites two weeks in a row on the road. He says he thinks 80% of it is just, you know, Andrews. Uh, is Andrews going to play? And then Campbell, Peters, Humphrey, uh, Ronnie Stanley. That, that's that got to factor into this this movement here. If, if Baltimore's a healthy team, they're definitely favored. Yeah,
1: no doubt. And, and look, let's face it. I mean, the elephant in the room is what's going on off the field for Brady. and that you, that You can't dismiss that as not bothering you. You can't – you know, that's – like we all think these players are robots and that they're just trading cards that you put out there and you roll the dice and play them, and there's a lot of things that go into it. And when he doesn't have comfort around him in terms of when he goes to work and he doesn't have it at home, I mean, that's a problem. I'm not making excuses, but again, I don't think the team's built for what his strengths are, and because of that, I, I think that oh, there's a lot of things that start to stack
4: up against him. Do you, uh, Michael, and then this is not part of the three, but I ask you this question. In the handicap of tonight's game, I know you look at coordinators a lot. Do you look, if you're thinking about playing the Ravens, do you look hard at uh, the pride of a Seek and Holy Spirit going up against Todd Bowles? <laughs> do you look hard at that matchup?
1: I do, and, and I would say I favor to Tampa, yeah because Bowles plays what I call, Mike, this six-skill position offense, which seven teams are running. We're going to have seven quarterbacks with over 100 carries this year. And so that quarterback is involved in the run game. It's not Mahomes runs around or Zach Wilson takes off for a first down. It's literally built into the offense. They're going to run power. They're going to run quarterback draw. They're going to run things for the – got to count for them. And because of that – you know, Todd Bowles has always done a good job when he's had his players, especially when he's had a guy like Winfield who's a great slot corner and a good tackler. Without that, I think Lamar can get away with some things and kind of neutralize the Greg Roman lack of passing game. So I typically would. I think injuries are going to help the uh, help the Ravens a lot today.
5: Here's, here's an odd handicap, but Michael, if you told me Andrews was healthy tonight, I'd sprint to the window to bet the Ravens. If he's not... I'm probably just going to lay off like that. To me, that is he is so important with Bulls probably blitzing a ton and that security blanket missing for Lamar Jackson. Andrews would be a huge miss here. I think he's going to yep, play, but no he's, doubt. he's obviously banged up.
1: No doubt. I mean,
5: and, that, and that's who he wants to
1: throw the ball to, just like Brady wants to throw the ball to the tight end. I mean, you got to understand that you know, quarterbacks are like shooters in basketball. There's spots on the court that they love to hit hit. And quarterbacks are spots on the field that they want to throw the ball to. Now, some of them can throw it anywhere. Josh Allen, Mahomes, but Brady has always been an inside the number. You put Rex Rex Ryan would play one rat, one funnel. He played every kind. He'd have an extra defender in the middle of the field because he knew that's where Brady wanted to throw the ball.
5: What was the school that Greg Roman went to, Mike Palm?
4: Holy Spirit Spirit of Spirit.
5: He he coached there. You and Berman Berman have an obsession with Roman that entertains me endlessly. (laughs) Um, Okay, now when we come back, it's Palms pressing three. I don't have them this week, so it's going to be really hard to top what you did last week. Are you up to the challenge, my friend?
4: Well, I don't know. We're going to come out swinging here, and we're going <sighs> oh, no, we're, 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 we're uh, go to We're going to go on to hallowed grounds water. with Mr. Lombardi.
1: I better get a sip of water. I better get a sip of water
5: here. <laughs> you, you better get something stronger than water, because last week <laughs> yeah. was good. When we come back, palms pressing three. He goes at Michael Lombardi next here at Lombardi Line, presented by
3: BetMGM.
2: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VCN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
5: Palm was just asking during the break, what's the best premier loyalty program in the game? It's BetMGM. You know that, Mike. Of course, every time you make a bet through BetMGM, you get bonus points, and you can use those credits for free bets if you're traveling to Vegas, you know, your airfare, your hotel experience. It's awesome. It's a great loyalty program. Plus, they've got a new look over at BetMGM with the app. Check it out. It's 21 years or older, 1-800-GAMBLER, if you have an issue. Catch back here on the Lombardi line. Michael Lombardi there. I'm Patrick Maher. Mike Palm sits in there at Circa, which is tremendous. If you're planning a trip to Vegas, stop by Circa. uh, It's the best out there. We now get into Palm's pressing three, which, again, it's going to be hard to top last week. The show is yours. Mike Palm, take it away.
4: All right, Michael. I ask your forgiveness after this question. Far be (laughs) it. from us to criticize the best <laughs> yeah. NFL coach who's ever done it, but even the best aren't perfect. How do you evaluate the Patriot game plan on Monday night? What happened to building a wall around the pocket and not letting a scrambling quarterback out to make broken plays? And if the plan was always to rotate both quarterbacks, what if Mac Jones had been great? What was what exactly was the point of that?
1: Well I, I first to answer your question is this I think whenever you study New England Go back to the Baltimore game. Go back to the two Buffalo games. New England has had a hard time dealing with quarterbacks who play in a six-position offense, where the quarterback is part of the running game. Buffalo never punted in the last two games. Buffalo changed their offense to the six-position skill set when they got when they got beat in the win game, and they didn't really run Allen in the in the red zone. Now that changed the speed of the linebackers. The concern that I've had for the Patriots and Belichick, and I've had this discussion going back to actually one of the reasons we drafted Mike Caldwell, a third-round pick from Middle Tennessee, now the defensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars, was because of this conversation. We need to get faster inside out. And Bill loves big linebackers, thumpers, physical. He wants to take his 260-pound linebacker and rush him against your 205-pound running back and knock the quarterback down. And it works. And it works. However, against these kind of teams, these kind of teams when you're so big and physical like New England is, you get into a bus saw and then you don't get control of the game. And typically in the past where he's gotten control of the game in these situations is by his offense. So he gets the lead on Chicago by 27 to 10 or 27 to 17 and now it's all throws and now it's no longer the running game. But that didn't happen. He gets 14 to 10 And then all of a sudden, he can't get off the field on third down. That's the problem. The Mac Jones, so this is really, let me finish the answer. It's a design problem more than it is a game plan problem. It's really that. I'm not not absolving anybody. I mean, it was a poor effort. He'd be the first person to tell you it was absolutely embarrassing. Second, Mac Jones. Look, everybody's accountable in New England, including the head coach. And Mac Jones has turned the ball over way too much. And if Mac Jones would have not turned the ball over, whether it hit the the cam or not, he would have stayed in the game probably. But because he turned the ball over on a dumb decision, it wasn't a tip pass. It wasn't a, oh, it's not your fault, Mac. It 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 was, you're a veteran player, second year, throw the ball away. Live for another day, right? Live for another day. Now, it wasn't all Mac's fault. Trent Brown has two holding calls to start the game. They don't really get control of the game in the run game. But when Mac turned it over, I knew he was coming out of the game because I'm sure all week long they've talked about the only way we lose to the Bears if we turn this ball over. We have to play our way. They didn't.
4: Great start. Are you satiated with that answer before you get to two, Mike? Paul? Oh, I'm, I'm very satiated. I was ready to rebut, but the answer was so good we're moving on. Question, thank number you, two. Question two, Michael. The number one seed in the AFC last year <laughs> wasn't the Buffalo Bills. It wasn't the Kansas City Chiefs. It was the Tennessee Titans. Now, they traded A.J. Brown. They had an uninspired offseason and might have been ready to give up on Tannehill. But here they sit at 4-2 and two atop the AFC South. Mike Vrabel did win Coach of the Year last year, but is he still underrated? What does Vrabel do to be as successful as he has been? He knows
1: exactly who he is. He knows his team. He doesn't alter who they are, which puts them in jeopardy to losing to Houston, which also gives them a chance to beat Philadelphia. They can play with the best or they can lose to the worst. And they've done it last year, and they'll do it again this year. They play exactly how they have to play to win. They don't lose the game. They protect the football. They're able to rush the quarterback to a degree. They tackle very well. Their speed at inside linebacker with David Long is outstanding. So they can create pressure, they create turnovers, they give the ball to their best player all the time. Now they're starting to utilize them in the passing game. And in all the categories that determine winning, they're good at. They're not great at any. And frankly, when I look at my board, they're only only in the upper echelon in four categories that go towards winning. And there are five that goes towards losing. But they offset that because they play their style, they don't change, they don't get flustered, They don't blink, so they could lose to the Giants opening day or they could beat somebody really good. I think Vrabel does exactly like what Dayball's doing. You have to do. You avoid losing before you can win, and that's why. If you flipped Mike Vrabel's team and put Doug Peterson coaching that team and you gave Vrabel Jacksonville, Jacksonville would probably have a three-game lead on on the South.
4: Tremendous answer. Number three. Michael, virtually everyone has the Eagles winning 14 or more games and easily being the number one seed in the NFC. Assuming that happens, is Nick Sirianni Coach of the Year and is Jalen Hurts MVP? But more importantly, can we trust these two when it comes playoff time? Well, I think
1: if they played San Francisco, it would be a hard game. I
4: think that defense could give them trouble. To
1: me, what I think has really happened, and I've said this earlier on the show the Philadelphia Eagles deserve a ton of credit for deciding to be in the head of the curve they started this six position offense and they're on the cutting edge of it they took a quarterback that can't really complete very many passes much like Marcus Mariota much like Justin Fields that don't complete a lot and they've turned it into an offense that's very hard to stop the guy's going to carry the ball over 200 times this year and what they've also done is They've changed who they are defensively. Last year they played Tampa 2-Shell. You could throw as many. They only allowed 36 incomplete passes against two great quarterbacks. This year they're getting after the quarterback. They're pressuring the quarterback. They've changed. Uh, You could give it all to Sariani, okay, and he deserves it. But I have a feeling it's more of an organizational working together. I've often said the Eagles are more about the organization carries the team than the head coach. So you can give them that. I don't see how Hurts wins it because everybody in the league still knows if we can get ahead of Philly and make Hurts have to participate, we got a chance to beat them. The problem has been, the problem has been their defense is playing much better. Now they trade for Quinn because they hadn't been getting pressure on the quarterback like they want and they're hoping they can improve that. But I do think they're they're beatable because they're going to run into a game where Hurts is not going to run the ball effectively and if they get behind and have to throw it outside of the RPO game, it's a problem.
5: I don't know if you sent those questions, the palm-pressing three, to Michael before the show, but those were three really good answers.
4: You did not you I didn't know, that, did did know any of those. I don't think Michael's known, known any Mike... of them any week. I never no, do. I don't want to know them. A... I wouldn't want to know them. So it's just like the same thing with the fact yeah. The same thing with the mall. With mall.
1: The same thing with the mall. mall, I can
4: You know, the same thing with ahead. the mall. If you want to keep something from a mall, put it in the rundown, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I look at the rundown. I appreciate Elliot. But let me say this to you. The, 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 the reason is, is those are great questions because we have a, mis- we have a misconception. We think Philadelphia is a great offensive team. They're really good. They're hard to play. They're more harder to play than they are great. They really are. And that's why they're so good in the second quarter because you don't, you don't get used to the team speed. The, the, the teams that the, – the misconceptions that run rampant through the NFL – are really the biggest problem when it comes to betting. Miami's this great team offensively. Miami's, if they would have kicked the field goal, it would have been the third to highest point total of their season outside of the Baltimore aberration fourth quarter.
4: Okay, boys, 2-46 and 46 tonight. Mike Palm, do you have a lean? Uh, I lead Baltimore in under, but the injuries make this game unplayable.
1: I agree it's unplayable. I lean towards Baltimore. I I, I, I lean towards Baltimore. I think it's unplayable. I think the stuff going on with Brady off the field, I do think it is affecting him because he's not the same. But more than that, he's not happy at work because I know Brady. He's complaining about everything there that he doesn't have to make him to get that offense what they need.
4: Work becomes more stressful when your home life is in disarray. No doubt. Hey yeah. pa- Patrick, I yeah, want to mention they're, one they're... number that I think is way yeah, off please. here, and it's the total in the Vikings uh, Cardinals game at forty-nine. I'm 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 baffled by this. The Cardinals defense is better than we think it is. Raheem Morris ought to be the head coach there, not Kingsbury. You still have Cousins. They didn't have a first down through the first uh, thirty. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, twenty-four minutes of the first half against Miami. I think this forty-nine is way too high. And who do you like in this game? This I want to quick get it. Who, who would you play in this game? Well, I can't play the Cardinals because the head coach is a buffoon. He won't kick field. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> no, no, nobody
5: has a better read on the Vikings this year than Mike Palm. Go under the 49, which is actually bet up off the opener. Mike Palm, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Mike, great Thursday. job. Thank, thank you.
1: you, Mike, every week. Great, great job, you. Elliot.
5: Great job. Elliot, great job. Michael Lombardi, I'll see you tomorrow. Big Bets is coming up next. Thanks, on Pat. the Sports Betting Network. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched
0: it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented.
2: Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for
5: kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and
2: all content is fully human-moderated.
3: Or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
0: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight
5: or have obesity, 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford,
0: Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.
1: Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call.